The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, for the first part of the sermon, I'm going to need your help singing a little song that I think most of you will know. Tad is going to put it up on the screen. We're going to sing a little a cappella this morning. Do you know this song? Does it look familiar? Have you possibly heard it a hundred times already this, this season? So uh, why don't we sing, okay? In choir, you can give us a boost, okay? Ready? Well done. You should all be in the choir. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. I love this classic Christmas song, um, and it sort of becomes my theme song in the week leading up to Christmas. As you may know, my family heads up to my in-law's house for Christmas about a week before Christmas happens while I'm here and doing Christmas Eve services, and then I fly up to see them on Christmas morning. So that seven to ten days between when they leave and when I arrive, I'll be home for Christmas becomes my sort of theme song. It's on heavy rotation on my phone. And you know, there is so much of Christmas that involves a longing for home. Whether you're dreaming of being reunited with family and friends or traveling to a particular place or the nostalgia for a home of your past or simply longing for the childlike wonder of Christmas uh, that we saw again this morning at our Christmas pageant at 9 o'clock. And the longing for home is one of the central themes of our Advent season as well. Last week on the first Sunday of Advent, we heard a longing for a new future, an eternal home, far from the troubles of this world. In these middle weeks of Advent, John the Baptist prepares the way and talks about how God will make the path straight and the ground level so that exiles can return home. And at Christmas, God makes God's home with us 
here with Jesus, who takes the name Emmanuel, God with us. And the symbol of that home is the manger, where family and friends and strangers and animals all gather together around the Christ child. I've been moved this week by our passage from the book of Baruch, which is a letter to people longing for home. And don't worry if you've never heard of Baruch. I don't think you take it personally. Um, But Baruch appears in the Apocrypha, which is that set of semi-official books that fall in the middle of some Bibles. And Baruch was the secretary and the friend of the great prophet Jeremiah. And the book is really much more of a letter, a letter from Baruch, who was in exile in Babylon, to those who remain in Jerusalem. And our particular reading for today from Baruch is a beautiful section that scholars call a poem of consolation. A poem of consolation. And it has served as a reminder to me in this season that while exile can be a physical or political experience, it is also very much a spiritual reality. The Babylonian exile, which lasted 70 years, during which Baruch was writing, was full of a longing for home, not just for a place and a land, but for a relationship with God and a community, a longing for restoration and redemption. And we are familiar in our lives with forms of spiritual exile. We can be exiled in our relationships or by our sin, by loneliness, anger, hopelessness, by fear or grief or anxiety or shame. We can feel exiled even when we are in a room full of people. We can feel exiled from the home that we once had or perhaps a home that we never had but we wished we did. We can feel exiled from family, exiled in a persistent grief, exiled in anxiety or depression, exiled from our truest and best selves. We can feel exiled from the life we once thought we were going to lead, that we had imagined for ourselves, but never materialized. At a communal level, our culture is experiencing a profound experience of exile in loneliness. Uh, And there were some recent articles from the Boston Globe and Philadelphia Inquirer that had caught my eye about this epidemic of loneliness that we're experiencing in our world. Uh, Last year, the Boston Globe magazine ran two articles. One of them was entitled, The Biggest Threat Facing Middle-Aged Men Isn't Smoking or Obesity, It's Loneliness. And the follow-up, My Two Weeks as America's Number One Middle-Aged Loser. Uh, And in the author of these two articles, Billy Baker, reflects on the challenges of maintaining friendships and what some have called an epidemic of isolation and loneliness in our culture today, which has profound consequences. Baker writes, The Surgeon General of the United States has said many times in recent years that the most prevalent health issue in the country is not cancer or heart disease or obesity, it is isolation. And that loneliness has been linked to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke and the progression of Alzheimer's. One study found that it can be as much of a long-term risk factor as smoking. And the Philadelphia Inquirer ran an article earlier this year entitled, Philadelphians are lonely and young people feel it the most, says study. And this article said that 41% of people in the Philadelphia area 
and closer to half of all Americans, according to this survey, are lonely. Of locals, including people in the Camden and Wilmington areas, a majority, 51%, doubt that anyone truly knows them well. And a quarter said they seldom felt understood, if ever. 46% of respondents from the region said that they feel left out, at least sometimes. It's striking. Um, One of my biggest aha moments of the past year and a half working on our new Young Adult Zoe project has been the key question that we're trying to solve, the the key problem we're trying to help solve for young adults uh, is to solve for this experience of loneliness. It turns out the most connected generation in the history of the world is also profoundly lonely and searching for community. But it's not just about the technology or about the time of life. I see it and I hear it running through many of the conversations I have with people of all ages, with a range of reasons as as various as each person. Over and over again, I hear that we are all longing for home, to feel at home with ourselves, to find a home with others in community, to experience our home in God. For those of us who know too well the experience and effects of exile, Baruch has a word for us this morning. Two words, in fact. He says, take courage. Take courage. And he says it four times in his letter. Like a little earlier in the book, he says, take courage, my children. Cry to God, and he will deliver you from the power and hand of the enemy. For I have put my hope in the everlasting to save you, and joy has come to me from the Holy One because of the mercy that will soon come to you from your everlasting Savior. For I sent you out with sorrow and weeping, but God will give you back to me with joy and gladness forever. Take courage. Take courage when you feel alone, when you despair, when you are pained by separation, when you feel forgotten. Take courage when it feels like nothing is working, like you can't do anything right, like it's one step forward and two steps back. Take courage when you are angry at the world, when you harbor a hidden sadness, when you feel invisible. Take courage when you feel stuck. Take courage in your struggles. Take courage, for God will deliver you because of the mercy that will soon come to you and you shall be restored. Take courage. This morning, Baruch and John the Baptist tell us to lift up our heads and to look up and to look to the east, to look to the sunrise and a new day, and look to the manger, the home that God made with us at Christmas. Author Frederick Beekner wrote a book some years ago called The Longing for Home, And in that book, he writes about his encounters with the legendary preacher, George Buttrick. And he writes that Buttrick said something in a sermon that always stayed with me. He said that on the previous Sunday, as he was leaving church to go home, he happened to overhear somebody out on the steps asking somebody else, are you going home for Christmas? And I can almost see Buttrick with his glasses glittering in the lecture light, as he peered out at all of the people listening to him in that large, dim sanctuary and asked it again, are you going home for Christmas? 
and he asked it in some sort of way, Beekner says, that brought tears to my eyes and made it almost unnecessary for him to move on to the answer to the question, which was that home finally is the manger in Bethlehem, the place where at midnight even the oxen kneel. Home is where Christ is. Take courage. God has made a home with us in the frayed and hungry and messy mangers of our lives, and we will be home for Christmas, and not only in our dreams. For finally, home is not something that we have to go looking for in the past or in the future or somewhere else, but God has brought the home to us right here in Jesus. As it says in the book of Revelation, see, the home of God is among the mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, death will be no more, mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. Take courage. Well, I started with a song, and I'll end with a song too, but I won't make you sing, and I'm not going to sing it either. It's a much harder song to sing, but it is also one of my favorite Christmas songs by one of my favorite bands called Over the Rhine, and it's a Christmas song called Trumpet Child, and it's a jazzy interpretation of the birth of Jesus, who is the trumpet child, and all that he comes to bring. And there are a couple of jazz references you'll notice to Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, and to Thelonious Monk. And the lyrics go like this. The trumpet child will blow his horn, will blast the sky till it's reborn. With Gabriel's power and Satchmo's grace, he will surprise the human race. The trumpet he will use to blow is being fashioned out of fire. The mouthpiece is a glowing coal, the bell a burst of wild desire. The trumpet child will riff on love, Thelonious notes from up above. He'll improvise a kingdom come accompanied by a different drum. The trumpet child will banquet here until the lost are truly found. A thousand days, a thousand years, nobody knows for sure how long. The rich forget about their gold. The meek and mild are strangely bold. A lion lies beside a lamb and licks a murderer's outstretched hand. The trumpet child will lift a glass, his bride now leaning in at last, his final aim to fill with joy the earth that man all but destroyed. The trumpet child comes again this Christmas to bring us home, to be our home for once, for now, and forever. Take courage. Amen.